back to Bloom Theory Podcast with me, your host, Jillian Choquette, and it has been way, way too long since I recorded a podcast. I actually meant to publish this episode about three weeks ago, but I sounded terrible and I was sick for about two weeks and really not feeling well, and so I didn't really have the time to one, edit, and two, record the intro and the outro, so I apologize for not posting any podcasts for the past uh, probably about a month, which is sad to think about. But I was in Charleston with my friends for a week, and then after that, I kind of started not feeling well, and I really did not have the time or energy to be editing and recording podcasts. And then after that, I thought that I had already recorded some of this podcast, which I had, and my editing software decided to just decide to delete everything. So I had to completely re-edit this podcast, and finally, here we are, not sick and fully edited. I finally have this episode out for you guys today, and today I am interviewing Anna Brennan. I actually met Anna in undergrad, and a long, long time ago, she watched one of my YouTube videos back when I was in college and she was in high school, so it's kind of funny. We go way back, and I didn't even really know it when we were in undergrad together, and then I realized that she was someone that had also contacted me through YouTube, so I just thought that was really cute and all really comes full circle. But um, I really knew her to be a really smart student that went above and beyond at Salisbury. So I was very excited when she reached out and said that she would love to be on the podcast. And today we discussed topics like work-life balance, a lot about fitting into a new lab and sometimes adjusting to rotating in new labs and adapting to new areas of research. So if you are a PhD student or just a student in STEM and you're interested in how that works, what happens when you begin your PhD and what it's like adjusting to a new lab and a new environment after maybe a gap year or even just straight out of undergrad, I think this would be a really great episode for you. Please don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast and give it a five-star review if you can on Apple Podcasts, which really helps our ratings and exposure. And with that, let's get on with the interview. Hi, Anna. Thanks for joining the podcast today. Hi. So can you start by telling the audience a little bit about yourself? Yes. Um, I'm very bad at this question, so I'll just (laughs) do my best. This was actually the most terrifying question for like grad schools and was the one that I practiced the most and it's different every single time um, but I'm Anna um, I am a first year PhD PhD student at Johns Hopkins um, in the department of biological chemistry I don't know if that's relevant for this but yeah um, I'm a proud gap year taker so we'll get more into that but I'm a big proponent of taking <laughs> gap years yeah. um, and I like to do a lot of things outside of the lab, um, but in general, in the lab, my PhD focus, I just recently joined my thesis lab. So we're studying proteostasis in the nervous system. Um, So it's a lot of biochemistry, a little bit of neuroscience, and it's pretty exciting because I don't have any background in that. So it's a lot of new stuff. Um, But then outside of the lab, I love to spend a lot of time outdoors. Um, So I do a lot of that kind of stuff, love to work out. Uh, So just like watching movies and stuff like that. Tell me about how Hopkins does the rotations and your PhD, your first year for your PhD, because 
for us, we do this core course for the first semester. And then now I'm going through my rotations and I don't choose my thesis lab until basically the fall of my second year. So how yeah. does that work for you guys? Did you, you just do both classes and your rotations? Yeah, so they started us off actually in our rotations. So the first thing that I did in my PhD was my rotation. Um, so we joined our first rotation in the fall of our first year. Um, our rotations are like nine weeks long. And so we do three. And if you want to do one, you can do like a fourth rotation if you don't feel like you found the lab for you. Um, and then about a week into the program, then our classes started. So we took, I think it was six core courses and two elective courses during our first year. And those are about a month long and we take them like one at a time. And so we just have class every day um, and they just power us through basically an undergraduate degree worth of information, but like in more depth. So it's like, it's very rigorous and is not that normal for like PhD programs. Like I'm not sure how your guys' classes are, but I remember before like starting my PhD, everybody was like, don't worry about classes. They're such like a small component. You basically yeah. just have to show up and you'll pass. And then I got here and like people are failing classes because they're like so intense. And I was like, what is happening? So <laughs> we had to balance those, but our rotations are, we don't have to have anything produced in our rotations. So like, we don't need to present any posters or like produce any data theoretically. It's really just so that we can kind of experience the lab, see what it's like, try a little bit of science, but there's like very little pressure on us in our rotations. So that's kind of nice because you can just kind of like show up and have fun a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's a nice break because our classes are pretty intense. So we're at the point right now where we've finished our three rotations. We finished them in March actually. Um, and then we finished our last class, um, our last like core class in March as well. So they kind of like hit you with all of that at the same time wow. and then your thesis lab. So, wow. <laughs> so hopefully you're through the, <laughs> through the worst part because yeah. we only have one core course which was all last semester and we did five it was a like we didn't do any rotations or anything and we just did five days and I think it was like half or I'm trying to remember how long the class was I think it was like two hours in the morning or three mm -hmm. hours and um it had a lot of stuff like after class was done um but that was pretty rigorous people were failing and it was really hard but after that the classes are hard or so I've heard I've only taken a couple other classes for this semester and then rotations um mm -hmm. but the rest of the classes I feel like aren't as crazy <laughs> but um yeah. are you so are you starting to actually do your research now or are you doing quals soon because you're in your are you in your first year still like are we yeah. in okay <laughs> So I think your program started a little before me, but generally, yeah, first year. Um, so we take our quals this fall, um, about November time. So right now is like this weird limbo phase where we join the lab, kind of figure out what our project is going to be, um, and then just start to like do some experiments, get some data. Because when we take our qualifying exams, we have to present 
um, like a thesis proposal. And so that's going to include some preliminary data that like you got over the summer and stuff like that. So for okay. me in my lab, it's kind of figuring out where I fit in, what projects I'm interested in, a lot of reading, um, and just kind of like figuring out what I want to do. And then we'll get into a phase where we're figuring out exactly what that project looks like. Um, and I'll try some things. And then in the fall, we'll take quals. And then after that, it's kind of like everything is done and we literally just do research. So it's like a lot and then nothing. So I'm like kind of yeah. looking forward to post quals, but like I'm terrified of quals. So. I know, me too, me too. Yeah, I feel like it's super... I don't know, my program's really different. It it depends on the track in the program, which is kind of funny. So I'm in the graduate mm -hmm. program in life sciences. Uh, but under that, they have different divisions and different tracks and kind yeah. of the different program under GPILS. Um, it's kind of shortened for GPILS is my track, which is molecular medicine. And they're one of the only tracks that we don't do a thesis proposal for quals. We do a proposal that is similar to what you'll be doing in the lab because okay. they don't yeah they don't want us to do the same project I I don't know it's kind of weird I think that it is a little bit of like a weird amount of time spent on something that you're not going to be doing for your thesis but that's just the way it is I guess um but we don't have to do the preliminary data because we're just expected to do maybe taking from preliminary data for our mm -hmm. proposal, but still like starting to work on the thesis only after they approve our thesis proposal after quals. So you have to do your on topic thesis proposal too? No, so we're supposed to base it off of what we've learned in the lab we're in, but it's not supposed to be our thesis. But a lot of people just kind of end up doing a, a very, very similar to their proposal. Yeah, I, I've heard about thesis proposals like that. And I have the same like opinion as it sounds like you do, which is like, this sounds like a lot of time spent on something that is not going to be my project. Right. And I heard, uh, somebody told me that a good reason for doing an off topic thesis proposal, which I think is getting less and less popular is that um, it really shows your ability to like figure out where a field is or like what are the gaps in knowledge in mm -hmm. a particular question that's independent of like your interest. So it really like challenges your skills as a scientist because there's a lot of times where like you'll have to, you know, you make some new discovery in the lab and it, you didn't expect to be going in that direction. So you have to just start like reading all about it and like basically become an expert in something you know nothing about. Right. So I think that it's like supposed to be more to, challenging. Yeah, like it, it, it is supposed to really challenge you and um, break down this basically like the scientific method to be able to see that like you can really do science and it's not just that you can do your project which like personally I have a hard time like being interested in something that I'm not interested in like I really just right. want to do my project um, and that really helps to like get things done and work on it and be motivated and everything like that so when you're doing something that's off topic it's just like it's so hard to do even though right. it's like the process is fine. It's just like, you don't want to. And yeah. Uh, and you kind of, at that point, like, I know I already 
I'm kind of getting an idea of what lab I want to be in based on my um, rotations. And I'm like, I just want to start my thesis project. I don't want to feel like I have to write these papers on things that aren't really going to be the thesis project and then the stress of quals and everything like that. But yeah, yeah. so let's get into the nitty gritty of your first of your first year. Okay. So how has it been kind of integrating into these different labs for your rotation? Because I know that Johns Hopkins is well known for being extremely rigorous and kind of having that hustle culture mentality. So how has that been for you since you, I guess, I mean, you only took one gap year. Um, mm -hmm. And so you're still kind of freshly from undergrad and everything. How is that transition for you? I think that the hardest thing with like being a rotation student coming in was not knowing realistically what was expected of us. So I remember having a really hard time trying to figure out like what was normal um, in terms of how much time you actually spend in lab, how much time you spend in lab per week, how much time is actually spent on science, how much of that time is spent studying for our classes. And when we would ask, like I remember within like our orientation and stuff like that, we were asking those questions like, you know, what's generally done? Like, you know, what, how much time do students generally spend in the lab during rotation? And right. we were never able to get a straight answer. Um, and at first it was like, oh, is that because they just don't want to tell us the answer? And I'm starting to kind of pick up on the fact that it's just because everybody does things differently. Yeah. And so it's like, there's no one way to do it. Um, and it depends on how you work and how efficiently you work and what your goals are and everything like that. But like as a rotation student, I wanted to like know, okay, do I need to spend 20 hours or 40 hours? Like, am I gonna, am I gonna have like yeah. a side if I leave the lab at five or if I'm there at nine, like what do I need to do? And I feel like I just, like at first I felt like I didn't know how to approach that because I didn't know what was correct or what was not correct. And so I kind of just did my own thing. And I was like, if somebody, you know, tells me that it's wrong or like needs me to stay longer, like I'll be flexible, whatever. Um, but I kind of just like felt it out with each rotation because the other thing too is like each rotation was different. There was some rotation, like some of my rotations, I would spend a lot longer in lab or I would just be there later. And that was only some days because of the nature of the experiments we were doing. And then like some of my other rotations, we weren't doing much at all in lab. So I didn't spend a lot of time in lab. So I just kind of like felt it out from there. Right. But I always had this awful feeling like leaving the rotation. I was like, I feel like I need to like sneak out because I'm like, I'm not sure if I'm like leaving too yeah. early. <laughs> same. And yeah. Same. Yeah. It, it was like such a headache because I'm like, I don't, I never felt like confident that I was like doing the right thing <laughs> yeah um, and it was like time in lab is just like one example but, but like also just like what you're actually like doing in the lab um and yeah so I mean like with your rotations like how long do you spend in lab and like <laughs> are um, you have you like adjusted with rotations and stuff yeah so I definitely have like you said, I just felt it out. But what was kind of nice yeah. about our rotations was the entire first semester, we were just doing core, 
for us and we weren't allowed, unless it was a special uh, scenario, um, we weren't really allowed to do rotations. So we could spend that entire time getting to know some PIs that we were interested in. And I did mm -hmm. talk to some where I was like, hey, your research is really cool. Let's talk and let's have a meeting. And I'm just a very straightforward, like I do not want to be spending, you know, 60 hours or 70 hours in the lab. Like I'm not pulling 10 hour days the entire week. I just cannot handle that. Some people yeah. love it. I just knew that I went into it knowing I want more of a balance with my life. So I would just say, what are the expectations for a full-time student? And what are your expectations for a rotation student? And um, I normally got pretty straightforward answers from the PIs. So some of them were like, we expect you when you're not in class to be in the lab at least till five, because everyone pretty much leaves at five. Or if we give you something to do, just, you know, you can do it and then leave. And I know one person um, that I rotated with, she, she was very much like a scheduler. So I kind of stayed there later and I you know, I tried to like, I tried to come in a little bit later because I noticed that she was a little bit of a later person because if I come in earlier when I like to come in, which is like 8.30 to 9.30 kind of in the morning and get settled and start at least by 9.30, um, sometimes they weren't even strolling in till 9.30, the other people in the lab. And then if I got there at 8.30 or 9 o'clock, I'm still spending that extra time until everyone is done since I'm shadowing everyone. Um, but then, yeah, so I really adjusted my schedule, like even for the gym, I would love, I love to go to work early and then go to the gym afterwards mm -hmm. before doing dinner and stuff like that. But then it's like, if I go into work late and then I get out at seven o'clock, then I don't want to go to the gym because I'm starving. So then I was started going to the gym in the morning. <laughs> so I just yeah. have been tailing it, but my current lab is really nice because they're basically my same schedule that I like, which is 8.30 to 4.30 basically. So yeah, and they don't, they don't really come in on weekends, but obviously if you're a student, if you got to get things done, you come in on the weekend, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I am kind of the same way as you where I like to come in early and leave a little early because I really, I'm not a morning person. Like I'm not the type of person that can uh, like accomplish something before work. So it's like the first thing I need to do is yeah. work get it done and then I can do other stuff so like if I were to get up at five o'clock in the morning I'm not going to be able to use that time to do anything productive it's just going to be like me being awake and so <laughs> I like just like go to work early and then get my work day done and then have like a long evening and like you I, I like to go to the gym after but the biggest thing with rotations was how so many of like my rotation mentors would come in pretty late and so yes. that thing yeah. happened. I got here at nine but I also left at nine because you got here at noon and we didn't start until one so like yep. we ended up being here like way later because of that and it was really frustrating for a while because like for some people they would they would adjust their schedule to like kind of um medium like uh not medium uh <laughs> midday like kind of type of situation where it's like we didn't start too early but we also didn't start at like 1 or 2 p.m right um, so we were able to like find a common ground there but there were some people that mentored me that kind of were just like 
this is how we're going to do it. And yeah. it was, it was like very difficult because it was like, I don't, I want to like learn these things, but I also like want to go home. <laughs> no, but, I, I completely yeah. understand. You're like, I love this, but not right now. <laughs> like once it gets past like 6 PM, maybe when I'm starting to like get really hungry and I start to get really like restless because that like my mm-hmm. body used to going to the gym around that time so it's like it's ready to go if I'm still in lab I become so like irritated and stuff just because it's like it it's like a fight or flight response I swear like (laughs) and so like if something needs to get done I can do it but I've got to like work fast and no thinking is happening like it's just pipetting vibes and then get out of there like it yeah (laughs) no I was like getting very I was getting just like that at the last like at the last lab they normally like I was saying normally come in around 9 30 and I was there till I don't know 6 30 one day but by the time because I don't know if it's just the way I am but if I do not eat within a certain time my body will get shaky and I would just be like I need a snack. I need food. And I was trying to pipette and my hand was shaking. <laughs> Get me out of here. <laughs> I, I think there was one day where I like drank way too much caffeine. And like, I, I think I just like didn't eat enough relative to the caffeine that I had. And I tried to load a gel. And I kid you oh, not, no. my <laughs> hand was going like 90 degrees both ways. It was terrifying. And I managed to load the gel, but it was literally like pipetting with two hands. Like it was not. Yeah, you have to good. use the other hand as a guide. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, you don't have to say this because I didn't really prep anything for this. And you don't have to say it in case you're worried. But is there any drama? Like have you had, have you noticed any different personalities that you've had to deal with being in these labs because I know just with the schedule thing sometimes it's frustrating but Mm -hmm. I you know like there's different personalities working in a lab and you have to work very closely with some people so you've have you had any experiences and Um, you don't have to you don't have to speak on it if you don't want to because I know I didn't (laughs) mention it before no you're good um I feel like I have kind of seen different types of drama play out they weren't always mine um so I mean I'll just keep things very general of just like what what kind of things happen but I feel like the conflicts I guess that I've like experienced the most or like seen a lot is just with differences in like how people work So like there are some people who work super efficiently and they get things done and it's very scheduled and planned out. And so if they're working with another person that's like that, it's perfect. But if they're working with somebody that's like, go with the flow, let me, you know, set (laughs) me down and think about this, do this, it does not work. And so it's like, it becomes a, I feel like I've seen like, for me, when I'm being mentored by somebody who's like more go with the flow because I'm more like schedule it out, let's do this and get it done. I would always just get very frustrated. And so then I like wouldn't really be able to like grasp what we were doing as much. Um, And I feel like I was able to maintain some civility, but I also feel like I would get a little snappy and I always felt so bad because I'm like, (laughs) I do not mean to like be annoying right now but like I don't want to be here or like it wasn't like I don't (laughs) want to be 
longer, but it was like, we just made a two hour protocol, a seven hour protocol, like that kind of thing. And it would just, I would just get very like over it. Um, I don't think that ever really resulted in that much drama. So like, so to speak, but it definitely resulted in me not wanting to work with those people as much. And in that circumstance, I kind of just like lost a little bit of learning because I didn't want right. to like work with the person, um, which I mean, speaks a little bit on me. Like I wasn't like willing to adapt, but I feel, <laughs> I feel like <laughs> you can only adapt so much and like yeah, I don't know, yeah. seven hours of my day kind of thing. Um, so there was kind of that. I've also seen differences in like how people approach like lab chores and stuff like that, which within a lab, it's interesting to see how that, that plays out where maybe one person is very serious about lab chores and like basically with lab chores, I don't know, like some some labs are like super intensive with like this person has this lab yes. chores, has this, yeah. and these people are just like, do whatever. Some people have a lab tech that does everything, which is fantastic, but um, so I've seen it where there are some people in the lab who are like, they do their lab chores, they're super strict about it, they keep it up, and then there's other people in the lab that do not do their lab chores at all. And so then for a little while, the person who like wants all the lab chores to be done will like do theirs too, and then they'll get mad about it. And then they'll not the passive aggressive lab chores. <laughs> they'll get super passive aggressive about it. It'll be brought up in lab meeting. Some people <laughs> are doing the lab chores and it's just like shade is being thrown at no one. Yeah. Um, Always. Yeah, I, I feel like I've seen that play out a little bit. Um, and like things like, it's interesting. There are some people who will like hoard stuff. Like they'll have like two sets of pipettes and yeah. like two sets of everything. But they put like, their name on all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then like, if you have like, as a rotation student, especially you have nothing. And so you're like, at least with like some of my rotations, they like gave me a lab space and like pipettes and a desk and everything. And it was super nice. Yeah. And then some of my rotations, it was kind of just like, here you go, swim with the sharks. <laughs> and so then you're, like, you're looking for a pipette. And then the only pipette you can get is from this person who has like three sets <laughs> and then they get mad at you when you steal theirs and then you they like, have, like a sensor on it <laughs> yeah literally they're like did you take my pipette I'm like yes I needed it quietly so, pulls it out of your backpack <laughs> literally and I, I think that's like when somebody starts doing that then if you're the person who like had to like steal the pipettes and then like then you start to hoard too because you like think that you have to do it and so then you start like secretly hiding things and then it's like <laughs> it's like lab culture to like be like hiding stuff um and like just I've keeping heard that a lot yeah I I've actually heard of people like sabotaging people's projects in some labs I have not ever seen that um yeah. and I don't even know if it was at my school I don't remember but I've heard that like yeah, but in some really cutthroat programs, people would like rip out parts of people's lab notebooks. So I actually, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say what school it is. I know someone that I think she was a lab tech, but she had her own project that was able to be mm -hmm. published, and another student actually scooped it. And somehow, I don't know how the PI didn't know, unless they did know, and they were also in on it. 
but they took <laughs> they took the project and they published without the other girl's name I know it's, it's a doggy dog world sometimes yeah I I like I don't know how you can like sleep at night if you do that because it's I like I, I don't know like honestly I feel very like attached to the work that I do in the lab yeah and so it's like I'm very invested in it but it's like to just to like even just to sabotage somebody else's work but then to take credit for it is just I can't yeah I can't imagine and also it's like how do you know maybe they were also working on the project I have no idea but you have to be cold-hearted for sure seriously no not even cold-hearted just no-hearted do you get along really well with your lab that you chose for your thesis lab I feel like I feel like for the most part the one thing I will say is that we do have very different like work styles which like I had said before, can cause conflict. And so one thing that that has kind of resulted in is that I work independently a lot, Mm -hmm. um, which is a good thing and a bad thing. Like I'm developing a lot of skills in how to figure a protocol out by myself. But then it also can be a little challenging just because, because I've established that I'm just like more of an independent person then people just let me do things by myself and they're way too trusting of me, I swear. And so <laughs> like, I promise I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, like I literally do not know how to do this. Can you please show me? And they're like, oh, it's super intuitive. You could, you got it. <laughs> okay, that is the line that people love to say. <laughs> they say, this is a very straightforward protocol. That's always what they say. Protocol. <laughs> I was, I was trying to make a 10x stock solution the other day in the lab. And like, that sounds pretty simple. You just, you know, measure out some stuff. But one of the instructions was to like heat the solution to 65 degrees. And like, I've been in the lab for a little while, but like we work with neurons. So every single incubator we have is at 37. Like it is just at 37. The only thing that we have that's warmer is like the little... Um, like bead bath things where oh, you like, yeah. like western blot samples and stuff like that um, and that's at 95 but I had like this big beaker and I was like that's not gonna fit in there and I was like how do I heat this thing to 65 degrees like I had no idea what to do and it was like the simplest thing but it was just the fact that like I didn't know where like a hot plate was yes I didn't even think that, of a hot plate that is and most frustrating yeah, it's like, this is such a simple thing. I actually feel like an idiot because I don't know how to boil this thing. <laughs> yes. But it's like, I don't know where to find the equipment to do this. <laughs> like, that is what frustrates me is when you go in a sample box and you can't find a sample because it's not well labeled or oh, you weren't yeah. told where it is. And it's like, you only need, I don't know, loading buffer or something. And you can't find it anywhere in the lab. And you're like, I just want to load my samples. It's really not that big of a deal. Literally. Yeah. Or I think it's funny when people will be like, oh, yeah, that sample is in the negative 80. And you can go find it. And I'm like, do you want me to hold that door open for 20 minutes trying to figure out exactly which box is negative 80 that your sample is in that I don't know what it looks like. So I don't know what I'm looking for. Yeah that's that's so frustrating that's what I loved about the last rotation I was in she was the most organized woman I have ever known 
Like you would probably love her. She had a log for everything. Everything was labeled with actual stickers. Every sample. Yeah, everything. Because she said she had someone that had really bad handwriting and it caused a disaster of a project. (laughs) And he was like, never again. I'm labeling everything and everything is ordered and nicely organized on the walls. It's amazing. Um, But speaking of being a good planner and organizer how do you normally plan because I love asking people this because do you like your I remember in undergrad I would always see you have your little planner out on the desk I think so really (laughs) um I used to be a planner person and I was a planner person when we had classes like I had like literally a paper planner and so I would write out whenever we got our our uh what is it called syllabus it's called our syllabus whenever we would get our syllabus for a class I would write out like when everything was due it was a little bit easier when it wasn't like a full-on semester long class where it was like only four weeks or like two weeks long or something like that no our classes were four weeks long so like if it was only four weeks long and you had two exams and like two other assignments it took like 10 minutes to write everything out right so I would do that for for that kind of planning and for lab type planning, um, I don't do that. <laughs> I'm more of like a day-to-day planner. But one thing with like what I'm learning with like working with, so we do primary cortical neurons. So we have to like dissect them out of the mouse, put them on plates, and then wait mm-hmm. basically weeks before we can actually use them. So our experiments go really, really slow. And also you you really need to like plan super far in advance of what you're going to be doing so i've started to like use calendars to be able to know like my online calendar um so i use just like the apple calendar on my laptop because it also connects to my phone of like when i'm going to be doing dissections um and that also that translates to the lab too so everybody can see like when I'll be doing dissections because we have one dissection scope. So we have to like um, sign up for it basically. Oh, wow. Yeah, I kind of sign up for times and everything. Yeah. And so then I'll write out like if if I were to plate neurons this week, then I'll write into my calendar like what day I need to start the experiment for those neurons two weeks in advance so that I kind of know. And usually like when I have an experiment planned, like right now, I don't have a lot going on in the lab. Like I'm just now like picking up experiments. And so I pretty much like one experiment a week. Um, That being said, our experiments are like three weeks long. So (laughs) I am usually like focusing on one thing at a time. Yeah. Um, But I can, you know, write out when that needs to be started. And usually um, I can look at like when that's coming up in my calendar and then I can you know plan ahead so usually like the day before I start an experiment especially if it's super time intensive I like label all of the tubes of like everything I'm gonna need um and like have it all set out because also that helps me if I'm in the middle of the experiment and I forget to do something but like Mm -hmm. I had the tube labeled I'll notice like, oh, I have this extra tube. Why do I have this extra yeah. tube? And I'll be like, oh, I forgot to do this thing. And sometimes it can save me, sometimes it doesn't. But I, I try and do that a little bit too, just to like save time on the day of the experiment. But in general, like from a day-to-day perspective of planning, whenever I get into the lab, I just, I'm a sticky note person. 
I just write literally everything on a sticky note of what I need to do. And I break it down into super small, very doable tasks. So it's like, if I have like a, a big task that I need to do that day, I'm going to make it as simple as possible and have like 10 <laughs> points of what I need to do. Yeah. So that it looks more approachable than like do this eight hour experience. That's yeah. That's exactly what I like to do. Cause it also makes it look less scary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, Oh, label some tubes. I can do that. Like yeah. <laughs> something simple instead of something really daunting. Nice. I like the idea of doing the virtual calendar shared with your lab mates. Cause I guess if you guys have to share that one microscope, they can block off the time that you're not blocking off. Um, mm-hmm. I'll do that. But do you do that for your personal too? Like when you do fun things or like personal? Do you mean like just like things that I'm doing on my own? Like, do I put that in a calendar? Yeah. That's like if like- you're going to hang out with friends or whatever, do you also do virtual calendar or do you not plan? <laughs> Sometimes I don't. Oh, uh, so actually a funny story happened when I did put something in a calendar because I wanted to remember to congratulate my friends because she was doing like her master's defense last week and I got the date wrong by one day so like it was on a Thursday but I put in my calendar for Friday like oh no she had like her defense that day and so then it came up on my calendar and so I like texted her and I was like hey good luck today and then she she just texted me for what (laughs) and I was like wait isn't your like master's defense today? And she was like, no, that was yesterday. <gasps> oh no, that's almost so worse. When it was... <laughs> that's funny. That happened to me too. I, so I got an email invite to this celebration for this one girl that um, finished quals. And it was actually for the one rotation that I was in. And I feel like we all got along really well. So they were kind of like, oh, if you ever want to, you know, when we have little events or social events that we do feel free to join or whatever so I guess they said like tomorrow they said in the email they said we're gonna cut a little cake and have a little celebration after lab tomorrow and they said this on Monday and then I they forwarded forwarded it forwarded it (laughs) to me on Tuesday and oh, yeah, so I read the email on Tuesday and it said tomorrow. So then I showed up on Wednesday and I was looking around <laughs> and there was hardly anyone in the lab and there's no cake. And I was, <laughs> I was like, bro, was where? No yeah, like, bro, where's the cake? And I luckily didn't. And I also felt bad because I responded to the email on Tuesday and I said, I'll try my hardest to make it. And mm-hmm. if I would have realize that it was Tuesday I probably still wouldn't have been able to make it because I got caught mm-hmm. up in an experiment but I said I'm gonna try my hardest to make it and then I just didn't say anything because I didn't realize it was that day and then the following day I showed up and I'm like oh I just wanted to say I'm sorry I didn't make it yesterday and they're oh, like man. oh it's fine don't worry about it <laughs> I really just had no idea I thought I was arriving on the right day and then I realized that the girl they were celebrating wasn't even there and I'm like well Oh, I think something's wrong. <laughs> it's kind of funny that you decided to like change the story a little bit though and just be like, oh, I came to say congrats instead of like <laughs> I read this on Tuesday and it said tomorrow. <laughs> like you know what? I was too embarrassed. 
I believe that like something similar happened to somebody in my cohort because we're taking like elective classes. So the professor sent out an email that was like, see you guys tomorrow. Um, but they read it. Apparently they sent it out at like 1140 at night. Um, and so then somebody read it like on Monday, which was the day that the class was supposed to start. And they read like, oh, see you in class tomorrow. So they're like, OK, I guess class isn't today. And then so they didn't go to class. And then whenever they came to class, it was like they found out that they missed the first <laughs> class because they read the email wrong. But it's like, for one, don't send an email to me that late on a Sunday yes, night. Like, I think that was the number one issue. <laughs> yeah, like that's the crime here. Let's be honest. <laughs> but yeah, like I would have made the same mistake like if I had read that in the morning. That's why I always put dates in my emails. Like I'm super punctual, like not super punctual, but I'm like tomorrow 418, like in parentheses. So it's like, there is absolutely no way <laughs> like saying tomorrow or next week or something like that can like get confusing no matter when somebody receives the email. Yeah. I do that too sometimes to check myself because I have gotten dates mixed up and I say to someone like, okay, or there's a weird miscommunication where I'm not sure if they're talking about this week or next week or like this Tuesday mm -hmm. or next Tuesday. So sometimes I've replied and I was like, okay, see you soon on this Tuesday at 4 p.m., um, you know, <laughs> this date. And then someone's yeah. like, oh, wrong day or whatever. But at least I was very, very specific. Yeah, I fear. mean, that's easy sometimes for real, like just putting the little date in there. That way somebody can catch it. And if nobody catches it, then it's not your fault. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So when you, cause I know you said you have a lot of hobbies. I feel like you listed a lot of hobbies when I asked. <laughs> so what do you do for fun? And I don't know, let's talk about what you do for fun. So I feel like I'm more of like a weekend fun person to be honest. Um, I have like a very set schedule during the week that I pretty much the only like hobby that I like set aside time for during the week is going to the gym. So I do that. Fully support that. I fully support yeah. that. And honestly, that's like, it's a hobby, but it's also like, I need it. It's like a stress relief. Yes. Place for me more than anything. Um, nice side effect. You get really fit. You are pretty healthy. Yep. you get a little jacked that kind you of thing yeah you look hot yeah you're literally always ready for the summer exactly. um, those are nice nice pros but that's what I pretty much dedicate my not, not not dedicate my week to but that's kind of the only thing that I make sure that I take the time for during the week and then whatever else like I have time for like I like to watch movies and stuff like that. I am a very introverted person. So like at the end of like a work day, I'm so excited to just like lay in my bed and not talk to anyone. Yes. And so oh I really like watch TV at the end of the day or like read a book or something like that. So that's kind of like what I spend my weekdays doing. And then sometimes like people want to get together, like sometimes we'll like play trivia um, if, if there's other Baltimore people who are listening, we go to like mm -hmm. ministry of brewing. If oh, you're ministry? What is that? Yeah. yeah. So yes, I've gone on Wednesdays, um, there, but yeah, it's super fun. Um, and ministry of brewing is great. Like they have like, uh, different food trucks and stuff they there too. Food, yeah. Um, yeah. And good beer. So that's an enjoyable thing. 
Um, and I'll do that sometimes. It's definitely not something that I like do every week, but usually like I'll plan it out with friends and then like I'll know, you know, what day that's happening and everything. Um, or just like going to dinner or something like that. Um, I think that there's like a spring fair next week that's during the week and into the weekend. So I might like go to that. That's like a university thing, but those are more occasional. <laughs> and then the things that I like, really like to spend a lot of time on I usually like spend the weekends on so I really like going hiking and stuff like that like trail running and things and like we live in a city so I can't really feasibly do that during the week or else I would um so I usually dedicate like you know Saturday afternoon or Saturday morning or something like that to like go drive somewhere and just go hike. And sometimes that's alone. And sometimes that's like, you know, with whoever I can drag along. Um, So like, I'm always down to go with somebody, but um, if nobody wants to come, no worries, (laughs) I'll just go. (laughs) Um, And like that, honestly, like I really enjoy doing that because I don't like living in the city. Like, I just don't really like enjoy cities all that much. And so like being here, all week like I'm just like excited to like get out and take a break yes and get some sunshine I totally feel you yeah it's funny because I'm I'm definitely more introverted I think than I am extroverted Mm. but it's like I can be extroverted but then it's to a point like (laughs) my battery is drained I am done and then I'm going to my room being by myself no one is speaking to me. <laughs> yeah. I I actually, I feel like a lot of people think about like being an introvert or an extrovert, like a little bit opposite of what it actually is, where if you're extroverted, it's that socializing doesn't make you tired. So right. it's like right. you can socialize for 10 hours and it's like energizing. You want to do it more. But if you're introverted, you can socialize just fine. It's not like you're scared of people. Yeah. But it's like, you just had a one hour long conversation and then you need to go to bed. <laughs> yes, exactly. That is me to the core. <laughs> yes. I, it's so funny because introverts and extroverts, I feel like just find each other and great friendships. Mm-hmm. Like my best friends are extroverts. And I mean, I actually, I think I have a good mix of friends that are introverts and extroverts, mm-hmm. but one of my very good friends is extroverted and for her, it's kind of like spontaneously doing something after lab on a weekday is no big mm-hmm. deal, you know, because she gets energized from hanging out and she feels like she, you know, needs to hang out with people and feel energized. And for me, it's kind of like, okay, I got to like plan and, uh, you know, I have this little schedule where I'm going to the gym and I got to make sure I can squeeze <laughs> it in and whatever. But yeah, I totally understand because living in the city, it depends. I mean, it obviously depends what city, but I think Baltimore City, it definitely is hard to feel like you're getting your vitamin D and going outside and walking around the city. Because if you're in the areas that we're in, it's not like that enjoyable, cute walk through the city like people yeah. make it. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of. Yeah, we're, we have a similar experience over here. <laughs> yeah. I feel like. I don't know. I I know every city has its not great areas and its cute areas, but most of the time the universities are not in super cute, (laughs) beautiful areas. But I don't, I don't understand why that happens. Cause I'm like, 
undergrad universities like I feel like wherever they are is like where this like city is and like that's where the life of the town is yeah but, like yeah. school of medicine I swear they're just like everybody's like stay away <laughs> yeah yeah so do you work out um at a gym super close to you or do you drive to a different gym because I know there are some downtown but yeah I'm scared of downtown like driving <laughs> like I I it's like the parallel parking I let it get to me way too much like oh, me too. I, Fine. <laughs> yeah I'm like oh I can't go to the city because then I'd have to park and like I don't know where to park <laughs> and, that's one of my biggest reasons why I don't like being like trying new places I need to know the parking atmosphere exactly exactly or, and like I really like walking places but like where I live in the city, the only thing that's really accessible to walk to is like the Fells Point area. And that's like a 20, 20 ish minute walk. And so yeah. it's like, I really haven't like explored that much of the city because of that. It's because it's like, I don't want to like drive somewhere and then like not know which street is a one way and like which one I can yeah. park on. <laughs> yes, I am ashamed to say I have turned down a one way street the wrong way, I think, before. I'm uh, proud probably everybody has to be honest like <laughs> I feel like when you first come here like you don't know like there's some streets that are like a one-way in for most of it and then they turn into a two-way and if you only know that it's a two-way you're like oh this is going to be a two-way two-way and then it's, suddenly the and road is over you know it you're like driving to New York or something by accident Literally. <laughs> <laughs> on 95. yes yeah. well no, I did that and somehow I ended up on 95 I'm like okay great I'm not making it to class today <laughs> Um, to answer your question, though, um, I use the campus gym, and it does the trick, but I want a different gym. Like, I want to, like, explore, like, different options. Um, I've been paying, I was going to Movement, which is, like, a climbing gym, but I didn't go during the week, um, just because it's in, like, the Hamden area, so it was, like, I would have to walk home, and then I'd have to get my car, and then I'd have yeah, to drive. Yeah, a bit of a drive. So it was like, it went from being like a one hour activity to being like a three and a half hour activity. Um, and so it just like became a lot and like a little bit too much to do. So yeah. um, I used to like go on weekends, but I didn't use the membership enough to like justify how much it costs. So I like paused that membership. Um, and I'm going to like start it up again in the summer because we have less like, um, time restrictions I guess in the summer we have like yeah. less coming on so we can make that a little bit more easily like we can do that a little bit easier but yeah so I just use the campus gym because it's really convenient you mm -hmm. home from lab and you just go to the gym on your way home instead of having to like go home change leave again something like that because that's just like such an energy barrier yeah that like that's the thing that would get me to not want to go to the gym is like having to go home change go again like you know once I'm home I'm home yeah that's actually what kind of deterred me from going to the gym especially in the winter time because our okay I know this isn't that far but I feel like <laughs> the gym is in a separate building and it's about a block a block and a half like two blocks away 
from my research lab. And so it was just enough that I'm like, okay, I have to pack my lunch. I have to pack my gym clothes, my gym shoes. And then I need to walk a couple more blocks. And then I need to walk another six blocks back to the garage. And then I'm like, okay, well, that's my free option, but I'm starting to not like that. And then I'd rather not drive home to drive to another gym. So we found this gym that is literally five minutes from my house. And I was like, I need this, I need to stick with this one because it's so close. I have no excuse. Mm -hmm. But um, what, what is your, if you have one, like what's your current workout split for it? Because you said you mostly work out during the week. Yeah. So I just finished like a three month, um, like pyramid scheme type of training program. Um, So that workout split, I would do like um, pretty much like glutes and hamstrings day one, day two would be upper body push day. And then the third day would be, um, like squat, like mostly quads, but I have a lot of knee issues. So I feel like when I do like quad isolating exercises, yeah. it just like hurts me. <laughs> so it's kind of like glute day two. <laughs> And then um, extra glutes. (laughs) Exactly. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, And then the fourth day is like upper body pull day. So that's what I was doing. And that's what I've been doing for a long time. And I literally this Monday, I switched to a more like sport specific training program because I just like, I was getting really tired of going to the gym, not in like a, like I knew that I needed it and I wanted to go. But when I would be at the gym, I would just like not be vibing with it. Like I didn't want to do what I was doing. I was like nervous about my sets because I was like lifting so much weight, which like so much weight for me. Like it really wasn't that much, but like it was a lot of weight. And so I was really like motivated by my sets. And so I was like stressed about it. And I'm like, I need to switch this up. And so I like, I totally switched up what I'm doing. So my split is still like a four day a week type of thing. But now the focus is like sprinting the first day. So it's like a lot of like sprint drills and stuff like that. And then I do like a little bit of conditioning where it's like hamstrings are really important to train for like sprinting. So I do like a little bit of like hamstring work Mm -hmm. and then still like some compound exercises so that I can maintain muscle mass. Um, And then the middle two days are upper body and then lower body power. So that's a lot of like jumping and forceful movements and slams and like stuff like that. And then the fourth day is like agility. So I'm doing like a lot of like drills for like the skills of sprinting power and agility, and then like a little bit of conditioning afterwards. And the way that I'm like focusing more on like the like power or agility or whatever is by just doing that first. So like the majority of my energy goes to that. And then just like a little bit of lifting afterwards, just to like maintain muscle mass so that I'm not just like dead. <laughs> nice. So that's kind of what I'm doing now. Yeah. I feel like I do get bored if I do the same split or not even the same split, but kind of the same movements all the time. And sometimes mm-hmm. I can see people go to the gym and they will consistently do the exact same workout every single time. And that's yeah. a great and all, but I don't know, maybe it's my brain being ADHD or something because 
I cannot like just allow myself to do the same thing over and over again. I literally get distracted or bored or I just end up not being motivated. (laughs) Yeah. And like when you, when you're at the gym and you aren't really into your workout, that is just another reason to not want to go. So it's like, which one do you want more? Like, do you want to be there or do you want to do this one like program that you're doing like I honestly like I think it's so important to just have fun with whatever you're doing because like at the end of the day you're making it to the gym you're doing something you're moving and I don't know who said this but I always think about it like you're lapping everybody that's sitting on the couch so it's like you don't have to do that much but you did something so yes that's true That's true. I definitely think I try to listen to my body more than I did before. And I'm seeing more results now than when I would try to push myself and push myself and, you know, like not take breaks and everything. Yeah. Taking the rest and like listening to your body is definitely something like, especially when like you're going to the gym for more than just like building your muscles. It's like really hard to like take rest, even when your body is like, please like take a break. Like you want to be there, but your body does not. Um, But yeah, I've heard that from a lot of people where it's like they were working out super intensely and then they switched things up where they were taking a lot more rest days and they said the same where they they saw a lot of results when they like took more time off. Yep. So I'm going to wrap it up with a last question for you. If someone is in undergrad and they're coming to you and they want to know any sort of advice to get where you are and they're stressing about, I don't know, becoming a PhD student or getting into a PhD program, do you have any advice at all for work-life balance or getting into the PhD? Literally anything, just any advice for them? I feel like I have two things that I wish I could tell like younger well I have one thing that I'm really proud of younger me for having done where I'm like you go girl you are so smart for doing that Mm. and one thing that I'm so mad at younger me for doing and so I guess I'll like answer that this way and hopefully if you're an undergrad you can think about that I guess but one thing that I am really happy that I did that I didn't even know that I was like making a good decision when I started doing this was I got involved in research and I got involved in research like really early. And so just being in research, being in like, it was, it was a topic that I have absolutely no interest in now. Like it was something so unaffiliated with what (laughs) I'm currently doing, but it was a type of research and it just got me into the field and once I got like a little bit of experience with that I was able to like switch labs and get more relevant experience I took a gap year to get even more relevant experience but just like taking the time to try it and you know just see how I enjoyed it was like a really valuable thing that I did really early on in undergrad which I was like really proud of for doing Um, but one thing I'm not proud of myself for having done is that I didn't like listen to myself when I didn't really like enjoy the topic that I was researching. Like I didn't enjoy it, but I was like, oh, I have to stay here because like, (laughs) I know that my honors thesis project is going to be this. And like, I'm going to do this. And like, I need good letters of recommendation. And it shows like 
that I'm not flighty if I stay in a lab for four years or like whatever, even though the, the topic wasn't interesting, it wasn't going to really like get me into the PhD program that I wanted to get into or anything like that. And so I didn't switch labs at all and stayed in this lab that honestly, after a while became very like irrelevant. Like the, the research project wasn't something that was really like enriching for me. Um, but I stayed because I was like, oh, I need to be here to show that I'm, you know, a consistent person and that I won't just leave. Right. But like, that doesn't matter. <laughs> like it, the people don't care when they're interviewing you. Like if you were in a lab for four years, especially when you're an undergrad, like you're as a freshman, like you can't really even like do that much. So yeah. like, didn't really like matter that much. So I wish I hadn't put so much weight on like being in one lab. Like I wish that I had, you know, been like, oh, I'm actually kind of more interested in this. Let me change labs mm -hmm. and try this other thing. Um, so I definitely wish that I had done that a little bit more, but to like broaden that advice a little bit more, I would say just like follow your interests. And if your interests are something super random that kind of like seems like it's not attainable, just like talk to you know, faculty or people involved in research that might be able to help you figure out like where that fits in because the things you're interested in have a lot of value. And especially when you're an undergrad, you have like kind of like a childlike curiosity about things where you're going to ask questions that seem so simple. And like to an undergrad, at least for me, I was like, oh, this, this question is so dumb because I don't understand like this entire field. But like the fact that like you're learning this new field and you don't understand that topic a lot of times the people in that field don't either <laughs> like it's an actual really valid question and so you know don't be afraid to like ask those questions and you know if you're curious about it and you want to research it you can talk to people about like how you can do that and how that'll fit in um and so you don't have to find exactly what you're looking for from the beginning, but you can kind of mold your experience to be, you know, what you're looking for and what you want it to be. But I would definitely say like, just be a little bit aggressive of following what you're interested in and what you really want and listen to yourself when you realize maybe it's not what you want. And don't be afraid to like make that change. If once you realize it, don't feel like you have to stick with something. If you realize, oh, this is not for me to make that change as an undergrad but you know if you commit to that thing go into a phd for that and then realize like you know i thought i was gonna like it more later and then you don't like in undergrad especially like that's your time to explore so definitely take advantage of that and you know don't be afraid to get creative and mesh labs or whatever you need to do so yeah that's good advice. I completely agree because I was the same way. I I mean, I still have a, a passion and a love for chemistry, but I think it's definitely more tailored towards biochemistry and mm -hmm. doing organic chemistry research was definitely <laughs> not for me, I think. And oh, wait, um, you did organic chemistry research. <laughs> what? You did organic chemistry research? No. So um my husband, Joey, he actually was with Dr. Hunkosa as well, I think, or okay. we're, I'm not sure if you're with Hebe or Hunkosa, but um, he did organic research and I did biochem research with Dr. Sokolowski. So um, 
I could kind of see both sides because I would sometimes share the lab with him with Dr. Miller's lab. And I was like, nope, I, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to like this. But yeah. yeah, I really like the translational aspect of it, of um, biochemistry. So that's also, like you said, I tried, I, I also debated switching my interests because I was in my mind, I wasn't having an open mind about how much is out there and how much research is out there. And I think that since I was so, I guess, had tunnel vision on, oh, I'm a chemistry major. That means I have to do chemistry and I have Mm -hmm. to do, I have to make drugs or something like that, you know, like, like it's a waste almost as if I shouldn't do anything else. But then I was thinking, no, like, I don't really have a passion for making drugs. I have a passion for maybe applying them or finding pathways Mm -hmm. that we can target with drugs, but I don't necessarily want to make compounds and develop them in the lab and deal with all of these chemicals. And um, yeah, I think that in undergrad, you really need to keep an open mind because there's so much that we don't even know is out there and research Mm -hmm. topics and really cool projects that I didn't even know existed. And even jobs, like if you're not going to a PhD program, I feel like there's jobs out there that we don't even know about until you take the gap year, you take two gap years Mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Piggyback off of like what you had just said, I feel like it's like kind of relevant, but when I was about to graduate and I was applying for jobs, like I chose to take a gap year instead of going to grad school because I did not know like what I wanted to do for grad school. I just didn't feel like I had enough of a solid reasoning to be in a certain type of program. I didn't feel like I had like enough background to be able to say like, oh, I specifically want to study neuroscience because mm-hmm. blah, 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 because I didn't you know, have that relevant research experience or anything. Um, and so then I, when I was applying to jobs, I kind of just cast a wide net. I applied to a bunch of different things. And one of the jobs was in an immunology lab. And I took undergrad immunology, did terrible. I think that was one of the few exams in undergrad that I pretty sure that I failed. Like I did really bad in the course. And so just like immunology is hard. Immunology (laughs) Immunology gave me the worst time. And so I just happened to like randomly apply to that job and then ended up being offered that job. And so then when I was picking lab tech positions, I was uh, picking between like a neuroscience lab tech position and a immunology lab tech position. And um, like my interest was in neuroscience, like even now, like I'm joining a, you know, a neuroscience lab. So like there's some consistency there, but I ended up working in the immunology lab just kind of like because it seemed like it was just a really cool new opportunity to just try something different see what's out there and just explore a little bit and honestly that was such a great decision um at that time because i my eyes were open to a whole new field and it was like i i was not an expert there were so many topics that like i was not really like able to comprehend super fast but you know i got them just like anything else um and especially like when you're working on it every single day you get good at it. And so I ended up really falling in love with immunology. And so then when I was actually applying to grad schools, instead of just thinking, oh, I want to do neuroscience, I want to study this one specific thing, I was able to kind of pull like, I've done you know this research in immunology, and mm-hmm. I've done like a little bit of research in neuroscience, and both of those are interests. 
and I want to like explore that more. And so in my rotations, I did an immunology rotation and a neuroscience rotation or two neuroscience rotations. And like, it was really nice to be able to just try both and then pick one um, instead of, you know, go, go, go. I was a neuroscience undergrad, so I need to do this. So I need to do that. Like going to a whole new field, it's super intimidating because you know nothing, like what is a T cell? But like, you'll learn it, (laughs) you'll learn it, you'll catch up. If you really hate it, like then you know that you don't like that topic. Like it's, it's all a learning experience. You either learn, you love it or you learn, you don't, but like you're taking something away from it. So yeah, that's, that's (laughs) yeah, yeah, that's definitely good to hear. And I think people do go that route with undergrad where they have an interest and then they, they get this tunnel vision, which is also completely fine if you fall in love with something and you know for sure. But I think in those years between your thesis or actually doing your thesis project in undergrad, you have plenty of time to kind of play around and even think, oh, I like immunology, but I also like, you know, like you said, neuroscience. So you can just try and combine it. And some people will even look at where the two paths meet and they find a lab that actually does both. And sometimes that's highly favored. And if you're looking for that, because PIs might be like, oh, wow, I don't have anyone that has experience with both of these things. So I, yeah, I approached it very similar, actually, because I'm a big proponent of that and just trying new things. And I had a choice of any of my, any PIs in my program to join as a rotation. So I talked to a lot of different people And I'm currently in a bone and physiology lab now. And I was in a virology and immunology lab last time. And I'm going to a neuroscience lab in a few weeks or at the end of May. Everything. That is a range. Yeah, it's definitely a range because I think I'm approaching it a little bit different. Like I love learning and I love science and I love translational science. So I more so was definitely chasing after a certain um, mentor style and a certain lab environment. And Mm -hmm. I made that very clear to the PIs. And um, yeah, so I like talk to them and I'm like, okay, I'm looking for this. I think that's interesting. And I also think, you know, this other immunology lab is interesting and kind of some of them each, it's kind of funny because each of them have a little bit of a project that relates to a previous project I did. Yeah, having worked in like immunology and then like starting in this neuroscience lab, um, it's really cool like where you can kind of pull in information from another field and like different techniques and things like that. So it's like you can learn a new field and you can learn everything about it, but then you can also bring something new to it of thinking about something like you might in another field. Um, And it kind of brings more creativity to your projects because it's not just like, this is what the field is doing. So you can really have more potential to contribute something novel, um, which I think like, you know, in science, it's awesome if you can do that. So it's definitely like have, you know, a wide range of knowledge and really specialize like later on in your PhD when you just want to finish. (laughs) I don't want to keep you too long tonight. Because I know yeah, sorry. In- I feel like our conversation started when you were like, let's wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine. This is so fun. And I feel like it was just, you know, casual conversation. It was a lot of fun. I was going to say, thanks for having me. Of course. Of course. Do you want to tell the audience where they can find you on social media or 
Uh, my Instagram is it's Anna Brennan. Um, I pretty much just post a bunch of mountains, mountain photos. So if you don't want to see that, don't. <laughs> well, um, that's pretty much it on social media. So you can include that or not. <laughs> I'm sure there are people out there that want to see mountain photos, so I'll probably keep it in. <laughs> So that wraps up the interview with Anna. She was such an amazing guest, and I think we had such great conversation and banter. I really hope that if you made it to the end, you really could take something away from this interview and this podcast. And once again, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast if you want to hear more from me, and I will talk to you guys in my next podcast.